and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. Today, we are joined by a guest from all the way from the land down under, Joe Marshall out in Australia. Joe, welcome to our podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Now, Joe and I have been friends for several years, which is why I feel comfortable recording in my home studio as opposed to the school. And of course, the disadvantage with that is um, you're going to hear the sounds and the little pitter-patter of feet and screaming children as this is about their bedtime, but for some reason, through a confluence of odd events, uh, they're up a little later tonight. So uh, you'll probably hear them. Uh, just a warning, I probably not, not even edit that out, so just throw that out. So Joe, good. And I, Joe and I have known each other since we were, I mean, children, really. Uh, we grew up in the same church over at Newland Baptist Church in uh, well, Brockton and then West Bridgewater, Massachusetts. Uh, went to the same Christian school. Uh, we went to Crown College together for a little while. And now Joe is out in the mission field in Australia. So, Joe, let's start from the beginning. Give us kind of in a nutshell what your testimony is, uh, how you came to know the Lord, and then uh, how he prepared you for foreign missions. All right. Um, well, although I was I accepted Christ as my Savior at the age of five, um, I did not grow up in your typical Christian home. Um, matter of fact, up until I was about four or five, we had never gone to church except for maybe once or twice on like Easter or special event at the Catholic Church. Um, and then one day, a man by the name of Clyde Page um, knocked on our door uh, with Pastor Saul. And uh, they met my mother, and um, I was about four or five and kind of behind her, hid back in the background. And, uh, and that, mo- that day, my mom accepted Christ as her Savior. Uh, they led her to the Lord, shared her from the Word of God how she can know Christ as her Savior, and she did that. And then they invited her to church. However, uh, we didn't have any way of getting to church. Uh, everywhere we went, we either walked or took the bat bus, uh, bring back some memories, and um and they said, oh, that's okay. We have a bus that drives by. And uh, so the following Sunday morning, we rode bus four. And I know many times people say the bus ministry doesn't have an impact, uh, but that was 39 years ago. And I can tell you the name of every worker on that bus. Uh, my bus driver was Dave West. My bus captain was Pastor Warren. And then uh, Mrs. Fritz was there. Uh, Dorothy Caggiano now was there, Quinlan. And um, I think uh, Sharon Fritz, which is now Sharon Antonis, uh, they were all workers on that bus. And so through riding the buses to church, I ended up hearing the gospel more and accepted Christ as my Savior. Uh, about a year after we got saved, uh, Pastor Ward came to my mother and said that uh, you're, if you'd like to put your son in our Christian school, uh, we would like that to happen. And um, so... My mom said we couldn't afford it. He said, that's okay. If you just do some volunteer work around the place, we'll make sure it's taken care of. And uh, so from first grade onwards through grade 12, I went to New England Baptist Academy. And um, that's where uh, Kevin and I went to school together uh, for many, many years. And uh, when I was about, I would say about 10, I I felt the Lord impressing upon my heart uh, the call to preach. Uh, But my mom said, well, just just give it some time and, and we'll see what God does. And then at about 16, uh, we went to the Wilds camp, all of us together. We drove down in a big bus and uh, had a, an adventure. 
And it was there, well, Dr. Farrell was preaching that the Lord solidified in my heart um, that I would um, be, be on the mission field. I'd be in church planting. Uh, throughout all this time, too, I had never really known my father. My father was um, an enforcer in an outlawed motorcycle gang. And so my mom gave him the choice when I was very young. Uh, it was either us or him or them, the gang, and he chose them. And uh, so about 16, 17, um, I think is when I met my dad again for the first time and began to get to know him. Um, and then when I was, well, after I graduated high school, I went off to Pensacola Christian College because I thought, well, I'm going to go to the mission field, but I'll do it my own way. Um, I was going to go and get my degree and become a doctor. I had job offers at Children's Hospital in Boston for research. Uh, but the Lord just closed all those doors and I transferred to Crown. And it was there that um, I did all my training to come to the mission field. And the Lord used those that time in a great way in my life. That's where I met my wife. Uh, Kevin and I ended up being roommates during that time. Uh, through that time at Crown, I met a pastor from the state where my father was in prison. I talked to him and my dad and ended up accepting Christ as a savior before he passed away. And then in 2003, after about two and a half years of full-time deputation, we had raised all of our support. We were with BIMI, uh, sent out of New England Baptist Church. We arrived in Australia. Uh, we were there with the Great Hope Baptist Church in Brisbane for a bit. Uh, for After about a year, we moved to Darwin, where we were there for about nine years. And we planted um, Gateway Baptist Church, started a Bible study three hours south in Caspin, Catherine. So for about an, a year and a half, almost two years, we were kind of pastoring two works three hours apart. Um, also in that time, uh, we were contacted by a group in Cairns, where we sponsored in a missionary and helped them establish the Coastline Baptist Church in Cairns. Um, after being on the field for about nine and a half years, we went back on our first furlough in 2012 to 2013. And then after that, we returned to Brisbane. Uh, where we teamed up with a, an existing Australian church and uh, formed a church planting team out of that church. And about six years ago now, uh, we planted the New Beginnings Baptist Church in North Lakes Mango Hill, uh, which is about the 10th fastest growing area in all of Australia. Uh, literally, they're building about 6,000 homes all around our church as we speak. And uh, that's where we've kind of been for the last six years. So that's kind of a, a summary of it all. Now, I'm, I'm still a little bitter that you didn't start the Darwin Baptist Church, because I think that would just be the awesomest, the, the greatest church name ever, but you missed well, out. We didn't do that because um, there was already Darwin Baptist Church. Um, it is a Baptist Union Church in Darwin. And so um, in Australia, in, in America, you have uh, mainly the two main big things in Baptist. You have your independent Baptist and you have your Southern Baptist. Um, in Australia, we really don't have the Southern Baptist present. Uh, we have the Baptist Union, which came over from England. Um, and they've sort of, the Southern Baptists and them kind of teamed together and transferred people back and forth. And so Darwin Baptist Church already existed. Now, to, to satisfy your irony, um, Gateway Baptist Church met in Charles Darwin University. Okay, now that's awesome. All right, so, I'll, so I'll, when you walked into our church services, you walked by a portrait of Charles Darwin every time. Hmm. Now, do you <laughs> kick it or do you spit on it or anything? No, nah, you just kind of like look at it and snicker. Um, and the funniest part was when we held a creation conference. <laughs> uh, 
See, I would have, I would have been tempted to put some sort of Ken Ham book or something next to it. And uh, yeah, no. All right. So, so if I ever visit you out in the field, I'm, I'm going to need to see this. I'm going to have to take a selfie with that picture, that, uh, that statue. Yeah, we're no longer there. We're now about 36 hours drive away from there. Um, completely well, different. There. Like, if I come all the way to Australia, you can take me 36 miles to, to, to see that. 36 hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. well <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay, but anyway. Um, so you're 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 out there in the field now. Australia. Um, there, there there's not as much of a, of a language barrier, perhaps. Though I'm sure there is some. Um, but there's certainly a cultural uh, difference between uh, life here in the States and, and down there. How did you tackle that as you, as you get on the field? Well, there is, believe it or not, even though we speak English, um, there is a language barrier. Um, when we first arrived, things have changed a lot since we've arrived. Um, but when we've arrived, they have a lot of similar things but they call them something completely different. Um, so learning to go grocery shopping uh, was completely different for my wife. Um, she actually had to go to ladies in the church, explain what she was looking for. Um, and then they would tell her, oh, that's located here. Okay, for example, if you're looking for maple syrup, um, you would look where you'd find pancakes or things of that nature. No, here you would look in the ice cream topping section. Um, they have maple syrup, but it's in the ice cream topping. Um, so just different little things like that. And even little things of what things are called are, are different. Um, we would call them potato chips. They call them crisps. You would call them French fries. We call them hot chips. Um, you would call them cookies. We call them Vicky. So a lot of little different things. And, and even some things that we say um, in your preaching, you have to be careful. Uh, because you can say words, and uh, I made a statement in my first missions conference I preached and offended the entire church and had no clue. The minute I said it, you could tell by reactions on people's face, I, I said something wrong. Um, but I had to be humble enough uh, to go to a man in the church and say, mate, I, I don't know what I did and I don't know what I said, but I made this statement and there was a disconnect. What happened? And he explained to me. I made the joke that you hear all the time in missions conference. Uh, the Bible says the only time it's good for a Christian to be liberal is in our giving. Well, little did I know, I just made a political statement. Because the two major parties in Australia are the Liberal Party and the Labor Party. The Liberal Party, believe it or not, would be equal to the American Republican Party. And the Labor Party would be equal to the Democratic Party, just, just kind of in basic generalities. And so by me saying the only time it's good for a Christian to be liberal is in our giving, um, little did I know someone's son who was a member of that church was the local liberal candidate. Um, oh, so, wow. yeah, I un 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 unintentionally, you know, with that. But basically what I did is to learn the culture and learn the ways. Um, first of all, I allowed myself to be sponsored in under an existing missionary. And um, I just learned from him. I just, uh, the men in that church, I, I just, I was there to learn. I, I wasn't there to tell them what to do. I was there to learn. If they ask opinions, I gave it, but I, I, I was just there to learn. And I learned so much. 
And then when we went out on our own, um, you've got to be willing to ask questions. You've got to be willing to realize, you know, you're the new person. And so, um, you know, I just learned from our people. Um, just because you're a missionary doesn't mean you're, you're above people. Anyone can learn from each other. And then another thing I did is whenever I went to meetings, the, the bad thing I see is American missionaries, when they're on the field and they go to, say, a preacher's meeting or something, they all hang out together. Um, I hung out with the Australian pastors. I fellowshiped with them. I was friendly to the American missionaries. I, I know them. I'm not against them or anything like that. Uh, but I hung out around Aussies because what better way to learn culture than around the people that this is their culture. And still to this day, all my best friends in ministry are Australian. Um, the men I go to for advice for ministry in Australia are Australians. Um, so and that, that, that really helped me. How did it, how long did it take for you to uh, not just get acclimated to the culture, but for but for people to get acclimated to you, for the person in the pew, the people that you're trying to reach, to say, okay, I can accept this guy. I know he's not from here, but I can begin to accept him. He he loves me for who I am and and, and wants to bring me to the Lord. Four or five years. Okay. Which is again why, like the to establish a church in Australia. You're looking at seven to ten years, which is why we don't take a furlough every four years. Yeah. Too many American missionaries in Australia take one every four years, and then they wonder why they're having to restart their church every four years. It's just the way it is. And so we just, we just go longer between furloughs. I mean, we've been here now in Australia uh, for 17 years, and we've had one furlough. So when you, when you first if I'm, if I'm remembering this correctly, when you first went to Australia, you only had one child. You had your, your eldest daughter. I, I, I no, we had um, our eldest daughter was three, and our young and our oldest son was six months old. Okay, so then you take that family to Australia, and it's grown quite a bit since then. Um, in fact, just just recently, as of last year, right? Um, September. September. Okay. So how has your family made this adjustment? I'm, I'm sure some of the younger ones, the acclimation was, was, was quicker since they were born there in Australia. Um, our children, yeah, our children, um, there really was no acclimation period to Australia. It's all they know. Yeah. Um, they had the hardest time in the world on furlough. Okay. Um, everyone on furlough were saying, isn't it so good to be home? And our kids were like, this isn't home. And don't get me wrong, we teach them American history, you know, and homeschooling. Uh, we prepare them to live in both worlds. Um, but every one of our children, if you give them the choice when they're older, uh, do you, you can go back to America and live, or you can live here. Every one of them would choose to live in Australia. Yeah. Um, this is their home. Uh, they, uh, they think Aussie. They realize when they were back on furlough and they're around American kids, they don't think like they think. Um, and that's not a bad thing. It's just a, this is just where they grew up. This is all their friends are Aussie. Everyone they hang around is Aussie. Um, you know, my son, my oldest two worked jobs here because we're dual citizens. Uh, so they were able to get a job like everyone else. Uh, my son, when he was 14, got a job. And now he's worked his way all the way up. 
and um, he's getting ready to uh, become a manager. Um, and he just, he fits in more there. Um, he just still has a little bit of an accent and says, they still joke around with him that he says some still things the American way. Um, but they don't, it's no big deal. Um, how is, how is Melissa been through that? I mean, she's, uh, let's face it, you're nothing without her. Yeah. Um, she, she's a great woman. And, and, uh, you know, of course, you know, it far better than I do. Um, but she's a, she's a very strong person. Uh, with a great love for the Lord, and I can I can just picture her being a great a great love. How do you how do you shepherd your wife through this? Well, you see, before I ever met my wife, she felt the Lord had called her to Australia, and whether she was married or single, she was coming here anyway. And so I think that's been the greatest thing is both my wife and I feel called to Australia. Both my wife and I feel burdened. This is where we were going. Whether we were married to each other or not, we would be in Australia. And so I've never had that struggle. Um, you know, I, I, it, I don't know. I've heard things where, you know, a wife has made a deal with her husband that she'll fall into the mission field if every two years she can go back and have a holiday with her parents. And I'm thinking, rubbish. You know, get in or get out, you know. Uh, but I'm blessed in that my wife is all in. Um, she's here and, and loves it. Um, all her friends are Aussie, you know, she's an integral part of the ministry here. Um, and so. Now let yeah, me translate for our American listeners. You said holiday, you meant vacation. But yeah, sorry, vacation. Yeah. Um, they tell their, their husband, you know, every two years I have to go back to see my family. And it's like, okay. Um, now I do say in our first term, uh, one time my wife did go back, but that's because we got the call that her mom would pass away in the next week or so. And so, yeah, she did go back to be with her for that. That That's different. Um, but neither, neither one of us have the desire. I mean, if we if we have to take a furlough, well, we'll have to do it. Um, but we all, we'd much rather be here. And that's what I can tell from talking with you and interacting on social media. Your heart is, is there in Australia. Your heart is for the people there your heart is for the ministry there and you're, you're, you're all in. You don't have both in both continents at all. Well, and I guess I, I would say um, that's to me, one of the greatest struggles in missions that I've seen um, with the advent of social media. It is a wonderful tool. Uh, stuff like this, like zoom. Um, it is a wonderful tool. Um, you're able to, and because of this, I personally think, how we do missions really needs to change from every four, a furlough every four years, because what's the difference between me spending thousands of dollars to get to America, to get reestablished there, to travel from church to church, to be there in person, or to be able to be in a church service, just like we are right now, where you can ask me questions. I can ask you questions. If the church wants me to preach, I can preach. I can click share screen and I can show a presentation just like if I was there. Um, but it also has its bad things. I would highly recommend any missionary who arrives on the field to take a social media fast for six months to a year. Um, because what I've seen happen too many times is social media and all this type of thing um, keeps one foot in both worlds. And I, I've literally seen missionaries who have said, hey, on Monday morning, uh, we need to do this and this. 
And they said, oh, I can't do that. I have to attend my home church's service Sunday night. Why are you here? Or on a day of the week, oh, I can't do that because there's a baby shower at my home church that I've got to attend virtually. Uh, And it, it severely limits their effectiveness in ministry because they're so attached to everything back home. Now, I'm not I'm not knocking being attached to everything back home. You can't cut and ignore they exist. Um, but if you're not all in here, if you're if you're half and half, the people will know it. Yeah, they've got to do this. Yeah. And, and if you're not all in, and, and I say this kindly, if you're not all in, go home. Uh, you, you'll cause more problems. By coming, there's too many people, especially in Australia, who have come and not lasted a term and quit that it does more damage than help. Um, if you come, just come. Get all in. Jump in with both feet. Um, and, and because when we came, we still had a 33 kilobyte dial-up modem. Um, so we couldn't do this. Uh, we still had, I mean, we still, instead of calling um, people, like right now on my mobile phone, uh, my mobile phone plan here in Australia, I spend $25 a month for but I can call unlimited or text unlimited to anyone in the U.S. on this. Uh, when we arrived here, we would call our parents once a month because it would be a fifteen to twenty dollar phone call for ten minutes. Um, you know, so we have so much advantages now, but that unable to constantly be connected forced us to make the connections here. And too often I see having that ability to stay completely connected. You always get, well, look what I'm missing. And I'm looking at it going, yeah, but look what you're missing on the field. What did you raise your support for to attend your church's services in America? Or because I didn't have to raise support to attend New England Baptist. I could attend anytime I want. Well, let's, let's, we're running out of time, but I, I want to get yes. you got some exciting things going on there at, at New Beginnings Baptist Church. Tell us about the Bible translation project you've got going on. Okay, well, the, we're, we've been involved with BIMI um, for the last three years. Uh, we were actually, the BIMI was approached by the PNG government because of other Bible projects where we get raise money, buy Bibles, go in and give all the students Bibles. So PNG, the government actually requested we do it there. And so with great prayer and all that preparation, we went into it. Um, their official language of learning is English. Their language of trade is talk pigeon. So what we did, because it's an official education thing, the Bible is in English, but the gospel at the beginning is in talk pigeon and English. And so, um, through all the connections throughout BIMI, uh, we've been able to raise enough money to put one million Bibles into Papua New Guinea. Our church was the collection point for Australia and New Zealand. And from churches in Australia and New Zealand, we probably raised twenty-five dollars to $35,000 uh, Australian. Um, I've been able to go over twice to be involved in it. And literally, I've had the privilege um, one time of going into a public high school. Uh, 1500 students and um the missionary we were with was sick it was an interesting feeling i was the only white person in the whole thing but it was completely fine completely safe i had people from the church with me and i preached to 1500 people and gave them all a bible 
the first time. And uh, it was, I've preached all over the world. And I will say, I had more liberty and it was, you could, and I'm not, I'm not a touchy-feely person, you know that. You could feel the Holy Spirit working in a way unlike anywhere I've ever preached. Um, and I had, literally when we gave them the Bible, kids would just open it and begin reading it. Um, they would hug it and kiss it. Um, they lined up to shake my hand and thank me for coming and giving them a Bible. Now, I didn't give them the Bible. I was just happened to be the representative present. Um, there's been hundreds of people who've come to know Christ as their Savior through this. Um, hundreds baptized, um, added to churches. I know of at least two church plants who've come out of these Bible things. Um and because of it, I've been able to make some good friends uh, through it. I've actually set in on a meeting uh, with the consular secretary to the prime minister of Papua New Guinea. And they've asked us questions regarding rewording and reframing their entire constitution of their country. Um, I have a lot of good friends now that are pastors. Uh, I've made friends with uh, one of the gentlemen who is high up in the national um, rugby team in, in, in Papua New Guinea. Uh, so the Lord's really given us a lot of connections in Papua New Guinea in that way. And so it's a wonderful thing. If you think of praying for it as this COVID hopefully starts opening back up again, we can get back in and finish the last couple hundred thousand Bibles again. And you've got some things going on here in Australia. Um, yes. If you're looking at a youth camp and a youth conference, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, our, our church is, has been blessed in a lot of ways. Um, last year, we participated with about 10 other churches in trying to revive a youth camp. Um, and, and a lot of the churches aren't large enough to have their own youth camp. I mean, it sounds funny. Our church has 50 to 70 people. We're considered a large church. Um, and most of the other churches are about our size or smaller. So last year we got together and we had a youth camp. We had about 65 in attendance. And they asked me if this year I would organize and be the manager of the camp. And so I've done that. We've got a campsite all ready to go. We've got a theme. I've booked a speaker. Um, and we've had a lot of fun with it. And so we're looking forward to a great camp. Um, and talking to the people, youth camp has never been done quite the way that we're going to do it. And it's really big, and we've got a nice flyer. We've got a, 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 a theme was Pursue. We're using a race car theme. Um, we've located a race car driver uniform that we're going to put the name of the camp and the logo across the chest of it, and the speaker can come out in a race, full, full-on racing uniform. Um, so we're going to have some fun with it, uh, but we've got enough space this year for 100 and so we're praying about that. And then every year in Australia, they have a National Baptist Fellowship amongst independent Baptist churches. And um, I was supposed to do it next month, but it's been postponed due to COVID restrictions. Uh, right now, uh, our, our state borders are closed to most other states, so other people couldn't come to the conference. So they're postponed to next year. And um, the pastor of the church and I have been friends for years. When we started church in Darwin, his family was part of the church plant in Darwin. So we've known him for all that time. Uh, he's originally from that area. And he's asked me to come in. And, well, he does the National Baptist Fellowship Conference. He wants me to do a national youth conference. And so um, 
be a, on a large scale, uh, Lord willing. Um, a lot of young people from all over the country will come. We've got two or three speakers booked. And um, so we'll be planning a week-long um, national youth conference. Well, we got to wrap it up here. Uh, but I wanted to ask, and I, I didn't prepare you for this. So um, we'll see how this goes. But we normally okay. – uh, and I, it's not going to be tough enough, I'm sure you can we normally wrap up each program. We ask for some some good recommended resources, some good books that maybe you've been reading that you want to recommend to other people, whether it's on missions or any other topic that um, the Lord's kind of been laying on your heart. What what are some books that you've been you've been going through? Um, one of the books I would say, um, and sometimes I'm leery to some of the books that that have been most helpful to me um, of recommending simply because. I'm just because I recommend a book doesn't mean I recommend everything by the author. And I think that's fair to say. Yeah. I think that's fair to say about anything. Uh, but two of the books that have been most helpful to me, uh, one is called, um, leading on empty by Wayne Cordero. Um, he's a pastor in Hawaii. I'm, I'm not even sure what background he's in and all that, but it's basically that we as pastors, missionaries and all that type of stuff, even when our tank is empty, we still have to lead. We still have to answer questions. We still have to help guide people. We have to do all that. And sometimes we ourselves have nothing left in the tank. And um, so it was a really good book that just basically gave a lot of recommendations on how to, you know, step back, make sure you have time for your family, make sure you have time for, yourself in ministry to grow and to and to hey mate, and to um be able to refresh yourself and and from that book we've changed some things of how we do it um like there are times where and i'm not sure how this would go in america um <laughs> hey good day there are times where i get up in the pulpit and i say to our people our family is going away from this day to this day um it's our family time away unless you're bleeding or dying, don't call me. And if you are bleeding or dying, here's the number to my deacon, call him. If he thinks I need to know, then he will call me. And so basically for that time away with my family to recharge, um, I'll only answer a call from my deacon. That's it. But that does, that, that helps you be able to recharge and spend time with your family. Another book, I just thought about it real quick. Again, don't recommend everything by him. Um, but one of the greatest, one I was given this book when I was going through a difficult time and making some ministry decisions. And um, Seven Practices of Effective Ministry. Um, it's written by Andy Stanley, Reggie Joyner, and Lane Jones. Um, again, you know, you don't recommend everything by that, but... That book, though, really kind of helps you evaluate and learn how, what's the main thing, what, what's the most important thing uh, to concentrate on. And um, when we were trying to decide after our first furlough what we're going to do, we'd go back to Darwin, we'd go back to uh, Brisbane. That helped me and with some counsel to understand, yeah, I served so long in Darwin that became our identity. But what was the main thing that I was called to Darwin or was I called to Australia? And so once you're able to get that down, okay, well, then I don't have to be in that one location 
where can I be most effective for the Lord? And that's, that was really vital in helping us make the decision to move to Brisbane and launch out where we are. And to be honest with you, um, it's expanded the ministry more than I've ever dreamt. And we've seen God do things, not that we regret any time that we were there. We, we love the time there. Um, but the Lord's been able to expand things here like nothing else. So it has been awesome to see how God has used you uh, to, to bring his word across the world, whether it's in Papua New Guinea or Australia or even throughout the United States. It's been a blessing to see that. And I continue to pray for you, and I hope our listeners will as well. And uh, we are we're out of time. We'll have the, the links to those two books on our website. And I'll also link to, uh, to Joe's church and learn more about him and how you can pray for uh, the various things he's got going on with his Bible project or uh, youth camp, youth conference. And there's so much more going on as well that we don't even have time to get into. So check out our website, www.basicbiblepodcast.org. Check us out on Twitter at, and Instagram at Basic Bible Cast. So until next week, have a great rest of your week. Bye.